Today's reading comes from Numbers, chapter 11, verses 10 through 15. Moses heard the people of every family wailing, each at the entrance of his tent. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? Why, what have I done to displease you, that you put the burden of these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms, as a nurse carries an infant, to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, put me to death right now, if I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. So this is the fourth in a series on Moses, and it's a critical point for him because no doubt he is stressed out. And we're looking at Numbers chapter 11. Who, who, does anybody know why it's, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, these majestic titles, and then Numbers. Why is it called Numbers? Who knows? Come on. Anybody know? Why is it called Numbers? Greg Davis knew in the first service, of course, if you know Greg, but anybody know? Richard, do you, you know, don't you? You're being modest. Go ahead. Numbered off the people. If you look at chapter 1, they took a census of the tribes of Israel, numbered them off. How many of y'all are in Richard's class? You know he's a stud. He's a Bible stud. You know that. All right. That's why it's called Numbers. Now, Numbers chapter 11 is very special to me because I was invited by um, a scholarly journal to write an exegetical study of that chapter, and I was honored to do that. Uh, The problem was I had just been hired on as a religion professor at Campbell University, and uh, so, you know, and I was also in chapter two of my dissertation. So I get to Campbell, and I have three lecture preps. In other words, you know, I was preparing three lectures for three classes throughout the week, most every night. And then I was in chapter 2 of my dissertation, and then I've been asked to uh, do this uh, article, which I probably shouldn't have done, but I thought, oh, this is really cool. And, and my goal was to get both the dissertation and this article done by December. Of course, I was starting there in September with the school year, and I wanted to get them both done in December, and I, I pushed it really hard and everything. And the whole thing was I wanted to angle it in the direction of how Moses was under such duress, under so much stress, and the irony was that might have been one of the more stressful times of our lives together, right, Deanna? I didn't see her very much that semester because I was just working so much. It was very stressful. But our text reminds us this, too, because, you know, our, our series title is Mileposts uh, Mile in the Life of Moses, Answering the Call. And today we're answering the call to overcome stress, which I know is easier said than done. But, but our text really does give us some reminders as to how we can do that. And you might want to look at an outline there in your bulletin. There is an outline this week, by the way. I found out I said last week there's an outline in your bulletin, and there wasn't. And it caused me a little bit of stress this week, then I got over it. But... Um, it is. It did get in there this week. Uh, but again, first of all, let's talk about transparency. Uh, that became a buzzword here at, at Brookwood when I started here as teaching pastor. And I think it was a great buzzword. We still hear it a lot here. And we really were applying it mostly to how good we were communicating with each other, how we would take things through various processes, how committees would deal with things, how the church as a whole would communicate better 
And, and I think that's great. And, and, and I think in many ways we did want to take it even further, which is being a little more transparent with each other, being a little more vulnerable to each other, especially when we're facing stress in our lives and, and just being here for one another. Well, Moses and the Israelites needed to learn about this. Here, here they are wandering along, and they've been delivered from Egyptian bondage, which is great. But then it gets kind of stressful among them. Let's go to uh, verses 4 through 6 in chapter 11. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Now, keep in mind already, the rabble are these people who are foreign. It's not saying foreigners were were just automatically rabble. Again, they were the rabble because they did not know. They had not known, most of them, Egyptian slavery. They had kind of come alongside the Israelites and were wandering out there in the desert with them. But again, they didn't have this framework of being enslaved. (laughs) So they started complaining about not having all this food and everything because, you know, heck, let's go back to Egypt. It couldn't be that bad. Well, the Israelites knew it was that bad, but let's note that one thing about stress is that it can be very contagious. One person gets stressed, it causes a wave of stress to come upon other people. These foreigners became stressful, and it became contagious, and it overlapped into the lives of the Israelites. So, uh, the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt, and the people of Israel also began to complain Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone and all we see is this, we call it manna. It's mana in the Hebrew. Anybody know what it means? It means literally, what that? What is that? Because when the Israelites woke up that first morning and saw manna, they said, what's that? And so they were tired of eating the what's that uh, that that they were eating. Now, here here you've got these Israelites who have been delivered from Egyptian slavery for years. Oh, but they miss the cucumbers. You know, isn't that pathetic? I mean, they want to go back to the cucumbers and the little salad bar and everything. If bondage comes with it, okay, you know. Now, that's really not a healthy place to be. They were clearly stressed out, but no one was more stressed than Moses. He had pretty much had it, was at the end of his rope. And you see this uh, with the passage that was just read a moment ago. And, and, and again, he becomes transparently human here. Let's look at verses 10 through 15. He's just had it. Moses heard all the family standing in the doorways of their tents whining And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. And in in the Hebrew, it's careful to say he was as mad or even madder than God was. And Moses said to the Lord, and I want you to notice, there are all these words that we say when we are stressed. Why and where and how and when, all those things. Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give to their ancestors? I love that. Did I give birth to them? Have you ever said, you know, did I start this? No, you did. You got me into this. Okay. How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. And then it sounds like he issues forth a death wish. He says, I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. You've been there at some point, haven't you? The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. 
do me a favor and spare me this misery. Now, does he have a genuine death wish here? I don't think so. I think he's speaking hyperbolically in an exaggerated tone saying, this is how I'm feeling. Just take me away. And you and I have been there. I just want to get away from this anxiety-laden situation. Well, the good thing is Moses got to the point of being that open, that honest, that raw, that transparent with God. Which begs the question as to how transparent you and I are willing to be with God and, yes, with with each other. You know, do we allow ourselves to be that open and acknowledge our stressors at difficult times? Um, You've heard me talk about Wayne Oates before, uh, the father, really, of pastoral counseling who taught at uh, the seminary I attended. And I I had multiple classes in pastoral counseling with Dr. Oates. and, And he always said the same thing, usually early on during the semester, and he would always say, The optimum indicator of someone who is a professional in ministry is that he or she knows his or her limits. They just know their limits. They know when they need to say, i got to stop, i got to be still, and I know when I need to lean on others for help and be open and acknowledge my struggles. So that's the key to being a professional in ministry. Well, and I think that's great, but I think it applies to all of us, doesn't it? Really, the optimum indicator really of us being healthy people is knowing where our limits are with whatever it might be and being ready to lean on others, even having a shoulder to cry on if we need it. God wants you to be transparent with the stressors you face, really for your health's sake. The worst thing you can do is what a lot of us, at least in our culture, try to do and tamp it down and and, and hide it, you know, Hold on to it and just hide it and put it somewhere where no one can see it. Well, fortunately, Moses acknowledges his stress, and God offers to help him. And let's look at verses 16 and 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. The tabernacle, you know, is a tent, often called the tent of meeting. I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, And I will put the Spirit on them also. In other words, I'm going to relieve you of some of those burdens that have to do with your leadership, those different traits that you have, those different gifts that you have. They will bear the burden of the people along with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. And that's the best of news. When we are transparent with God, we realize that He wants us to unload our burdens. We know that wonderful passage in uh, Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So we need to be willing to be transparent. Transparency is one way we can learn to overcome stress. But secondly, we need doxology. Now, what do I mean by that? You all know I'm fond of that word. It really means to to glorify, really to celebrate the glory of God. And that's another thing we need to do. God clearly expected Moses to share with the elders what he was struggling with. I mean, it's implied in what we've already read, but really, it says it in verse 24. It's made clear. So Moses went out and reported the Lord's words to the people. He couldn't have reported the Lord's words to the people unless they knew, oh, you're stressed. Oh, you've got a heavy burden here. Okay, well, what do we need to do? So he reports that to the people. You know, God doesn't want him to carry the burden alone. He doesn't want you to do that either. Doesn't want you to do that. You know, if I were to ask you right now, what burden are you carrying? What stress are you struggling with? It might be something really minor. It might be something pretty major. How willing are you to share that with others? 
Because what's amazing is what happens here in just a moment is a celebration of people using their gifts so they can unleash the burden from somebody else, take the burden off of somebody else, and it really becomes a doxology moment. Let's look at the next verse here. Okay, well, first of all, let me go to Galatians 6.2. Sorry, we need to share each other's burdens, and in this way, we obey the law of Christ. Again, that's fast-forwarding to Paul saying when we share our burdens, we are fulfilling that command of loving one another. Okay, go to the next one now. Okay, so Moses went out and reported the Lord's words to the people. He gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle, and the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses. Whenever he comes out in a cloud, that's a big moment, whether it's in the old or the New Testament. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. When the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. Now that word in the Hebrew is interesting. It's not like preaching or uttering prophecies like the later prophets like whoever, Ezekiel and Daniel and Isaiah did. It's really a word, and the best way I can describe it is um, it, it was an act of validation and celebration. For one thing, it was validating the fact that God had taken some of the gifts that Moses had, gifts of the Spirit, and uh, offered it to some of these elders. And again, keep in mind, it wasn't just the single gift of leadership. It was like an unpacking of all those spiritual gifts you know about, whether it's encouragement or organization or patience or mercy, whatever it might be, and it's getting distributed to all them. Well, that is a reason to celebrate. Uh, They're receiving these marvelous spiritual gifts, but not only that, they are unloading the burden for Moses. But it's also a validation. It's like a physical validation is the best way I can put it. It's kind of like when we ordain somebody. You come forward, you place hands on them, you do something physical. Now, what they were doing back then was probably dancing some kind of jig or, you know, whatever. But, but that was their uh, physical means by saying, you know, uh, this is a spiritual truth that I've been given these gifts. But obviously, it's a time of doxology as well. It's a time of celebrating the fact that everybody has these gifts that they can share with one another when some need to lean on others. When there's a brother in need, like Moses was in need, they can celebrate the fact that they can be there for each other. And we need this in the church, obviously, as we minister to one another. Now, let me make a sweeping generalization here. Sweeping generalization, and I confess that. I guess I'm talking about the gift of empathy. I've never known of a body of people that um, serves people better than Brookwood Baptist Church in times of crisis. Uh, Whether it be bringing meals, whether it be simply visiting someone, whether it be running errands, writing cards, you name it. I've never been with a group that does it better than Brookwood Baptist Church. And and I I would want to take that a step further and say, how good are we at, at listening to others and simply being still with somebody when they're at a time of pain and not feeling like we have to give them a simple answer to a complex issue, a complex stressor, but just kind of being there with them. You know, if we can't pull them out of the ditch, we'll at least sit in there with them. How good are we at that? Because we're all here, kind of like, I know we talk about it, but we're driven kind of people and we want to get it done and everything, but are we willing sometimes to just be still with somebody? and let them be in pain and do the best we can to feel their pain. I think we can always do that a little bit better. Um, there's a wonderful song, uh, the, the choir in the, in, the, in the first hour last week sang a song called Moses by a guy named Ken Miedema. He has another wonderful song called uh, If This Is Not a Place. And it opens up saying, if this is not a place where, steer, where tears are understood, where can I go? Where can I go? And it's really talking about the church. 
If this is not a place where I can feel free to do that, where can I go then? Uh, you know, this really, is, this really should be a place where sharing weakness with one another should be the norm. Should be a norm. Uh, we can be so image conscious, though, and I think about something that Keith Miller wrote around last Christmas, and I remember reading it, and, and Keith was in a department store, and he saw this mom who was in the busyness of Christmas shopping, and she was very distracted and pre- preoccupied, had a little, little daughter, a little girl uh, that was riding along in the cart, and then the mom got caught up looking at different things, and the little girl actually climbed out of the cart and got down on the floor and started playing on the floor some. Well, a man was coming down the aisle there, and he just full force, full weight, stepped on her hand. He didn't see the little girl. Stepped on her hand, I mean full weight. And, and the little girl just let out this terrible, terrible cry, as you can imagine. What did the mom do? She scooped her up, according to Keith, and as uh, soon as she scooped him up, scooped her up, rather, what did she say? Honey, don't cry where all these people can see you. Here's a little girl, you know, her hand is crushed and swelling up and everything. The mom is getting on her saying, don't cry where all these people can see you. Uh, I hope that's not the, you know, American way. I hope that's not our way around here. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. You know, to comfort somebody means to, to stand firm with them. That's literally what the word means to stand firm with them and in doing so we fulfill that word from Galatians 6 2 where we share each other's burdens and fulfill that law now in between services as Stephen reminded me hey do you remember this and I forgot about this commercial but we're going to show this because it's it's really exactly what we're talking about being able to let it out it was voted uh, one of the top uh, five uh, commercials the year that it came out does anybody remember the Kleenex commercial where it's all about letting it out you all remember that Let's go, go ahead and show that, Stephen. Hi, how you guys doing? Do you have a minute? Do you have a second to talk? This is kind of a funny situation, huh? I met him in the south of France. I'd had my eye on him for a while. We kissed, we looked at each other, I couldn't believe it. You've been carrying this little person inside of you for so long. I know, I just started crying. It was just the most tender thing I've ever ever been through. It's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. When John talks about his mom, I always feel really upset because I'll never get to meet her. She believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Who I just love so dearly. I don't know where this is coming from. Can you all remember that? You know, does it take uh, opening up just to a stranger like that? And it really isn't the way Jesus wants us to do it. He wants us to be able to do just that in here, whatever ways that we need to do so. So to overcome stress again, we need to be able to be transparent with one another and really to celebrate what we have here in terms of leaning on one another. But finally, we need prophecy as well. And I hope you can follow me with this. Let's look at verse 25. And the Lord came down into the cloud, in the cloud, and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. I just want to make sure you see. But this never happened again. And what that's saying, does that mean people have never prophesied since then? No, not at all. It just means it stopped there in the tabernacle at 
that moment. But something strange is going on back at camp away from the tent, away from the tabernacle. Let's go to verse 26. Two men, Eldad and Medad, had stayed in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they had gone out to the tab- they had not gone out to the tabernacle. Now, why did they not go? One of two reasons. They were listed as elders, but they were probably not as high up in the ranking, if you will, uh, with the elders. Or it's possible that for some reason they were deemed ceremonially unclean because of those 613 laws, and they were not allowed to go out to the tent. Either way, they weren't there. And yet, it says the Spirit rested upon them as well, so they prophesied there in the camp. Now, this is an interesting uh, turn of words here because the word here, prophesied is different from what was earlier. This is talking about being a prophet. It's talking about preaching. It's talking about glorifying God with your words. It's like what preachers do. It's what Jesus did later on when he would prophesy and preach. It's what the apostles did. It's what the early church fathers did after that. It's what the reformers did after that. It's what preachers do today. And really, because all of us have the Spirit in us who are believers, it's what all of us can do when we share God's Word with other people. But the kicker back then was nobody had been doing that except Moses, who really was in charge, but didn't want to be that much in charge. So, what happens? They feel threatened by it. it's it's something that that they've never had before, and they see it as a threat. And they especially are worried about the fact that it's making Moses look bad. Let's go to the next verse. There's always a tattletale. You know, a young man comes up and reports to Moses, Hell, Dad and me, Dad are prophesying in the camp. You know, so, okay, Moses gets that word. Joshua is worried about him. Go to the next verse. Joshua, the son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. You know, this is making you look bad, and you're, you're still the leader. That didn't go through a chain of command. The fact that they're prophesying wasn't ratified in a committee. It wasn't voted on at the quarterly business meeting. How dare they do this, right? But they're doing it. Make them stop, Moses, and look at what Moses says. Powerful verse, verse 29. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? In other words, are you worried about me, jealous for me? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. Are you worried about how this is making me look? Look at how great it's making God look. I wish everybody was doing that. I wish everybody was being a prophet like the prophets later on, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and others. I wish everybody would be like that. Now, where am I going with this, and what does this have to do with stress? I think that's a final way this passage tells us how we can overcome stress, and that's by prophesying the gospel unabashedly and in a wonderful, raw, transparent fashion wherever we might be. Uh, What's your favorite thing about a mission trip? We've got a group we're going to commission a little later on, people going to Rio. I think one of the great things on going on a mission trip is simply seeing God work in ways you never would have imagined. It's also really cool just to go work with some people who work at that place regularly, and you're just blown away by their faith because they're ministering in a place that's much more challenging than it is here, whether it's in in Rio or whether it's at Truvine or wherever. How many of y'all have ever been blessed by that, where you're ministering out there in the world somewhere, but you're just blown away by the people who work there in a more challenging condition. Raise your hand. I really want you to see, want to see. Okay, you're just blown away by these people. But one of the things, selfishly, that I love about mission trips is my opportunity to forget about what's going on back here <laughs> in my world, in the busyness of my life, with my schedule, 
with my calendar, with my tasks at hand. And it's so cool just to have that set aside somewhere. And I'm just not even worried about that because you're in the immediacy of that moment of ministry. How many of y'all have ever been in that kind of situation where you were so in the throes of this engaged ministry, whatever it was you were doing, that, that all your stressors back here just kind of melted away? Anybody raise your hand? Anybody? Yeah. Just amazing that you can just forget about all that. And there's something wonderful about that. And again, it's so liberating when you really give yourself over to prophesying the gospel in whatever way. It releases us from all these non-essential stressors in our lives. And I really would. I would encourage you next time you do. And if you haven't, I would encourage you to do some kind of ministry here locally or go on a mission trip, you know, close by or in the States or, or overseas somewhere because it's an amazingly... Uh, liberating experience, especially when you get to the point of truly giving yourself over to doing the work of the gospel. And by that, I'm saying surrendering yourself to Christ, not surrendering yourself over to all those other things in your life that really are non-essentials. Surrendering your life to him. I like the way Warren Wiersbe put it, and I think we got it up on the screen. To deny self does not mean to deny things. It means to give yourself wholly to Christ and share in his shame and death. To take up a cross does not mean to carry burdens or have problems. I once met a lady who told me her asthma was the cross she had to bear. To take up the cross means to identify with Christ in his rejection, shame, suffering, and death. You know, if you and I can really get to that point, we can get to a place where we don't worry about anything so much. We don't stress out so much. We've died to self. We've died to Christ. There's no need to be worried about these added stressors to our lives. So we need transparency and doxology and prophecy. And we need to be open and teachable to those things. If you go just a few verses further, uh, chapter 12, verse 3, let's put that up there. I love this. It it, it notes that Moses was very humble, more humble than any any other person on earth. Some translations uh, say meek, that he was more meek than anybody else on earth. The word there literally means one who is willing to be taught, somebody who's teachable, or someone who's willing to be helped. I think that's well put. What about the burdens that you carry, the stressors that you have to carry along? Are you willing to be helped? Are you willing to be taught that you need to lean on someone else, and therefore when you're doing that, you're enabling that person and yourself to fulfill that law of Christ with loving each other in a way where we're there for one another and and sharing our stressors and lifting one another up. And we can bring all those burdens to each other, and now we can bring them to this table that means so much to us. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, we thank you that... (laughs) We've been reminded this morning that we don't need to carry anything that's causing us so much pain or grief or sense of isolation. None of that we need to carry alone. Whatever is causing us anxiety at this moment, oh God, however great or small it is, help us to feel free to confess it to you and to someone who can be a brother or sister, even if it simply means someone who can be a listener to us. May we be that all the more for each other as we live out this life in faith and as we face the battles out there. We know that the war is already won, but we have the battles that we still face. We pray now, O God, that as we come forward to receive uh, the bread and the drink and as we take it back to where we sit and we take a moment of prayer and meditation and then consume the bread and the drink, that we would have our minds completely on you in a way 
that we're surrendering to you, not to any of these other elements that really are causes of stress or preoccupation that we don't need to worry about so much. May we give our hearts fully to you as we celebrate this meal together. We pray these things in your name. Amen.